Eye of newt, tongue of bat, toe of frog, hair of cat. Put these in a cauldron and stir it up, and then you will have yourself a cup of scary stories that are truly quite frightening from a paranormal chick's sinister sightings. Now, my creepsters, get ready for these readings by Donna and Carrie. <laughs> And I'm Ashlyn, a.k.a. Creepneys. Hey y'all, I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are a Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 103. And you just heard Ashlyn conjuring up something really spooky for y'all. Hopefully all of these, you know, stories. <laughs> Clearly, she's more creative than I. I can't even form, you know, a basic sentence. <laughs> well, that's why they have formed it for us. Thank God. All I have to do is read. <laughs> and even that, I fuck up. You should hear the bloops. Ooh, that's a good segue. If you want bloops... If you want to introduce us like Ashlyn did, join us over at Patreon. Yep, you can head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Also, I just have to say Ashlyn's outtakes (laughs) were freaking hilarious. She could have her own bloops. Yeah. And she said she's creep niece because you hear us talking about Teresa, who's our creep mom, because she knows everything. Well, that's her niece. Creep mom is her aunt. Ergo. Aunt, niece. Okay. That's a great segue for (laughs) Ancestry.com. Not sponsored. (laughs) Okay, first story. Looking for the extra large pizza, apparently, after watching TV. Oh. Hey, ladies. Willow here. Hey, uh, Willow had a story last week. I have a few more stories for you today. Pretty much listening to other people's stories are just waking up memories in me. One afternoon, my daughter, who's seven, and I were watching one of those real stories of the ER on TV, and this guy's face was all jacked up. Is that a country song? All jacked up. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. It's, uh, uh, she sings the, I'm a redneck woman. That's not Uh, how that goes at all. (laughs) Gretchen Wilson. Yes. Well, I'm glad you sang it like that. We'll we'll never get docked for uh, using that. Copyright, yeah, away. never. <laughs> <laughs> like that sounded literally nothing like it. Like the only thing was the words were the same ish. <laughs> yeah, if we were playing that humdinger thing, you're I, fucked. I would have been like, what? <laughs> She walked in at that moment and asked what was wrong with his face. I told her, that's why you wear a seatbelt. About an hour later, I was on my way to work in my 1986 Toyota minivan that my kids called the Scooby-Doo van because the engine is located under the seat. The windshield is literally a foot in front of you. Anyway, I'm driving to work and think back to my conversation with my daughter and notice, shit, I'm not seatbelted. 
I click it, then instantly am involved in a bad accident where I T-bone a Ford F-350 with my little minivan going 55 miles an hour. He had failed to yield and pulled in front of me. I just remember throwing my van into neutral because I didn't want to get knocked out and still have it going. Well, shit, that's smart. Had I not put on my seatbelt nanoseconds before, I would have had a very different outcome. I know, a little eh, but still. It was cool to think that someone was looking out for me. I have another from the same time. I was working at Pizza Hut as a manager, and the store was in BFE, literally sitting in the middle of the desert with nothing but a truck stop within walking distance. The store was creepy as fuck. We were constantly hearing our names called, having objects move and disappear, then have them reappear in really stupid places. So our store, like I said, was in a really tiny town, but one that doesn't have the nicest of reputations. So we didn't dare deliver after dark. I closed five nights a week, and usually there was me, my waitress, my cook, and our dishwasher. And more times than not, we were all females. This particular night, it was all females, and all of us had heard our names called two or three times by a male, and all within different areas of the store. Since we were all the usual closers, we had our routines and usually got out at the same time every night. So we're closed, so I'm sitting on the floor emptying out the two safes to count them. I'm six feet tall and my body does not bend to just squat. My ass sits. I open our drop safe and notice there are four checks standing on end. And I thought, hell, I didn't know ghosts could go through lead. Like that made any sense, but hell, I was kind of tired. Kind of just scratched my head and continued on. The waitress got called by the police in the middle of the night because our tinkler alarm had gone off. Those are the ones that alert to the sound of glass shattering. Anyway, she got to the store and the cops are completely confused. None of the windows are broken. They went inside and all of the little decoration pictures, i.e. bell pepper paintings, pictures of pizza, etc. All the glass had been broken in every frame. But because we live in BFE ghetto, all of the pictures are bolted to the wall. Nobody had been in the store for hours, as a security login could tell. Another time, a huge metal rack that held all the screens was knocked over. Again, nobody was there for hours. Noped myself out of that place really quick. Well, hope you liked my stories. Shit seems to be attracted to me, but I guess I was raised to be open to it. But still, fuck. Keep up the spookin'. Love you, ladies. Willow. I 100 percent believe someone was looking out for you when you remembered oh yeah I didn't buckle up and then you had to wreck at the very least it was some sort of synchronicity that you happened to see that episode of that ER show where the dude didn't wear his damn seatbelt yeah and I feel like that level of synchronicity is paranormal And, well, I don't know what it was about that pizza place. All right, the next one is my turn at a sinister sighting. I have long wanted to share a story for your podcast, but for whatever reason, I'm just now getting around to it. As you know, I have been long listening as a third party as I would listen in when my wife would. 
She's turned me into a full-on creepster. I was overjoyed to do my wrestling-inspired intro for Yens a short while ago. This story is about the time that I went from being a skeptic to a somewhat believer. What's even better, this story will pique both of your interests because the paranormal activity is directly related to a crime committed near my hometown. So picture it. Egypt Valley, Ohio, September 2010. It's a rural wildlife area in eastern Ohio, closest to the western Virginia border. The area is shrouded in mystery, mostly of local lore that attracts locals and travelers every year around October. The area is just generally creepy because of its landscape and the feeling of isolation. There are stories varying from hellhounds to disappearing houses. The most prolific story is that of a ghost of an individual named Louisa Catherine Fox. She is said to haunt the area, especially the cemetery in which she is buried, and, spoilers, the location of her murder. This particular haunting is what brought my wife, two of our friends, and myself out one evening. Close to Egypt Valley is a town that hosts a pumpkin festival each year. We had taken the short trip to enjoy the festival and had discussed Egypt Valley on our way there. Despite the tales, only one of us had been out there. After we had our fill of every food you can imagine being pumpkin-flavored, we decided to take a trip to Salem Cemetery. This is where Louisa's gravestone's located and where those seeking a fright go to visit. The drive out takes a short while, but is your basic rural drive. Trees, winding turns, few cars, and dips in the road. I'd always heard that there's a specific point where you can feel the energy change out there, almost like a barrier. I can say, as we drove out, I'm certain that we were aware of when we crossed that barrier. When we were about less than five minutes away from our destination, we hit a dip in the road. When we reached the trough of the dip, the temperature dropped. Now, it was September, the weather was cooling, but it went from cool to cold quick. Our friend driving had a temperature gauge in her car. We watched as it abruptly dropped to near freezing temperatures. At the same time, the radio cut and became static. As we drove up the other side of the dip, the radio came back and the temperature returned to normal. It had gotten so cold in the dip, the windows fogged up. I think from that point on, we knew we were in for an interesting trip. Before we went to Salem Cemetery, we wanted to visit Circle Cemetery. There are stories of the cemeteries in Egypt Valley being haunted by witches who were buried there, which I think stems from the name Salem Cemetery. We reached Circle Cemetery and got out of the car. We walked a path that was nearby that is supposed to be where the witches performed rituals. Nothing interesting was happening and we were all kind of having a laugh. We began walking back to the car and well, nothing was happening until on our way back to the car, we got confused and realized that we had walked by the same tree twice. Q carries, oh shit. (laughs) The path we walked is very short. Getting lost is not possible. Confused. We continued walking and luckily got back to the car. We just assumed we weren't paying attention. Nothing outrageous, but enough to give us a scare. However, as we drove away, 
We saw what looked like two small glowing lights on the dirt path that we had just walked up. They weren't large enough to be flashlights, but too big to be lightning bugs. That was all we needed to see, and we quickly left the cemetery. But were we smart enough to accept that and go home right then? Hell no. Mm -hmm. We had to go see the gravestone at Salem Cemetery. Also, bullshit. (laughs) Our plan was to visit the two locations Louisa Catherine Fox is said to haunt. Her gravestone and the spot in which she was murdered, which eerily enough has a marker of its own just about a mile away from the cemetery. People visit both sites, leave various items associated with young girls, such as hair ties or makeup. The most common legend says that you'll see her walk in the grounds, most often sitting on the gravestone crying. Hmm. Or she'll be at her murder site where she's said to be much angrier. It's said that she's stuck here because of her sudden death, so she's been unable to cross over. We intended to leave her some hair clips and do a little investigating. However, we were interrupted. See, another tale that I don't exactly remember had something to do with shoes being left on a different tombstone that we had to pass to reach Louisa's. That story involves a young boy's death. Visitors will leave a pair of shoes for him, and the legend says that if you stay there and watch, a figure will put them on and walk away. Sorry, I don't remember more. It's not a story I have heard very often. When we arrived at the cemetery, we first saw the boy's tombstone. Someone had already left a pair of shoes. Passing that to get to Louisa's gravestone, we kept our eyes on the shoes. While keeping a watchful eye, one of them fell, and we heard a slight crying of a young girl at the same time. We'd seen and heard enough for one evening. We didn't even bother exiting the car, but we sure as hell exited the cemetery and went straight home. That was the first and only time I've ever felt such a presence, and while there is plenty I'm still skeptical of, I am certain of the spirits that linger. I said this would pique both of your interest. Well, like I said, Louisa was the victim of a brutal slaying. Her case is well known around here because of how it all ended. Now, the exact details are a little muddled, mainly because through the passage of time, word of mouth has altered the story. But there are specifics we do know. Louisa was only 13 years old at the time of her death, and her murderer was 22-year-old Thomas Carr. What isn't certain is that some stories say that they were dating or together. Gross, I know. Other stories say that he was pursuing her for some time and she wanted nothing to do with him. Either way. Picture it again, if you will. 1869, a small mining town in rural Ohio. At this time, Belmont County wasn't very populated. Thomas was working as a coal miner and Louisa was working as a servant slash housemaid both for a man named Alex Hunter. They met as their paths crossed via their employer. Thomas was infatuated with Louisa, supposedly madly in love with her. He had long pursued Louisa, accompanying her home on several occasions. At some point, Thomas asked Louisa's father for her hand in marriage. Her family was uneasy because of the obvious age difference and because Thomas had an alleged past of violence that had earned him a poor reputation. However, the father had told him if he could prove himself by maintaining a job, perhaps own a little land, that in two or three years, they'd reconsider. 
Thomas, dissatisfied with her father's request, immediately planned revenge. On January 21st, 1869, Thomas waited behind a fence post for Louisa on her typical route home from work. She was walking with her younger brother, Willie, as they were approached by Thomas. Thomas sent Willie home, wanting to have a private discussion with his supposed ex-fiance. However, the conversation was brief. Thomas grabbed her, kissed her, and then slit her throat with a (gasps) razor before stabbing her 14-plus times and then placing her body in a ditch. He then fled the scene. Willie was smart enough to not leave the two alone and unfortunately saw the brutal scene. He raced home and told his parents what he had witnessed. They quickly formed an angry, manhunting mob to find Carr, who was now hiding at a nearby coal bank. The next morning, as he knew he was soon to be found, Carr attempted suicide by shooting himself with a borrowed gun and slashing his own throat. He was found badly wounded, but was alive and apprehended. Carr was convicted and sentenced to death just five days after being captured. He was set to be hung the following year. He was said to have laughed at his sentence, saying he did not care a damn if it was to be tomorrow. While being held captive, he confessed to Louise's murder and stated that he had murdered numerous others. It's largely believed that he was lying because he had the tendency to exaggerate. It also seemed like he was attempting to gain a last bit of notoriety, Mm -hmm. which he got anyway as he was the first person to be hanged for a crime in Belmont County. Carr was more deranged than people had thought. He took an interest in the gallows as it was being built and had even requested to be allowed to see it up close. He was granted permission and it was reported that he drew himself up on it and indulged in a number of skillful gymnastic feats. He pronounced the structure a success and complimented the sheriff for his taste and style. I have seriously not given the hauntings of Egypt Valley their proper due. There are several. I only just barely scratched the surface. I also condensed the story of Louisa a bit, so I hope you read more into both. I know I shared with you the details of another popular murder from the Ohio Valley before, so here's to hoping we get to hear that covered. Till then, you ladies are the best. Thank you so much for helping me get through 2020. The podcast is the best there is, the best there was, and the best there will ever be. Creep it real, Randy. Oh my gosh. Well, also, I almost lost it because he said temperature gauge in here, and he had told me that when he wrote this in, he didn't know us like he knows us now because Randy, y'all... He's our resident IT guy who doesn't get paid for anything, but (laughs) works very, very hard and uh, should get paid, but doesn't. Right. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. That. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But he also, he does phasmophobia with, uh, like, I play phasmophobia with him and stuff. And the thermometer that we use to, like, see if the ghost has cooled off the room. One time, y'all, I just cannot think of the words sometimes and I was like I got the temperature gauge and they were like what I'm like you know the thing they're like thermometer and I'm like yeah that word Uh uh-huh and so he was rereading it 
his story and he was like, oh my God, I totally said that. Yeah. But I mean, like, his is right. Mine was wrong. Yeah. What a brutal murder. That's heartbreaking. And he, I really think that he probably did like play up some of his. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, let me check out these gallows, you know, to create a facade. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of it really may be a psychological disorder where he's like, and you know what I mean? But some of it is like. Also, that could have been some kind of break he had while in custody, too. True. You know, or a fatuation he got while in custody, but, or not in custody, but while incarcerated. Mm Mm-hmm. But I definitely do not believe he had killed before. Like, he did not have multiple murders under his belt or anything like that. Mm-mm. But also, Randy, I totally get you that um, that was enough. And it's like, okay, that's enough. Let's go home. Let's not go any further. Let's go home. Yeah, don't have to poke the beast. Don't have to. Yeah. Nobody needs to get out of the car. We don't have to. Nope. Yeah. Cemeteries are so scary, but so beautiful, but so scary. I'm telling you, Thriller, Michael Jackson's Thriller, it terrified me of cemeteries. And my sister and I, Lori, R.I.P. Lori, we went to my grandfather's grave and like swept it off and everything. And she had this old gray truck at the time. And I was walking to do something, and she said, okay, like, go over there and do something. Like, I don't even know. Like, I was going to find something. I don't know. Being a dumb kid, like, you literally can be like, go find the name Thomas on a headstone. And I'd be like, I'll do it. Like, how long do you think it'll take me to do it? You know? (laughs) Right. And she's like, okay, do it in 30 seconds. And I'm like, okay. Well, so it was like sun sundowning time, you know. That motherfucker locked the doors when I got back, and she she said, "I'm gonna leave you here. The zombies are gonna get you." <gasps> I cried. I was running after, her, and she was like going like I don't know two miles an hour, you know. But like that cemetery had like dirt road in the back. I was crying. I was like, "I'm gonna tell mama." <laughs> I'm not surprised. She stopped and I got in. She was like, you want a milkshake? You know, like you want McDonald's? I'm like, yeah. I'm not surprised by that either. I mean, she wanted it too. But yeah, I like it freaked me out because all I could picture was fucking Thriller. Them pushing up in the coffins and doing that fucking dance, but coming to get me. (laughs) And like at the end where his eyes, like that cat eye thing at the, you know what I mean? Like it terrified me (laughs) have older siblings they said it'll be fun they said is it so lame that on all these stories whenever it gets really cold because the ghost i'm like oh i bet that feels so good don't answer that because you're on blood thinners now and you're fucking freezing but i am not and i'm like oh that cold weather sounds so good but also this is a sudden drop. And in cold weather, you have to have a parka, a scarf. What? Mittens. Do I own a parka? Do I own mittens? Okay, you have a long fucking pea coat, trench coat thing now. I have had it for, I just got it. You just got it, but you're wearing it like all the time. Because it's amazing. Uh-huh, but it's warm as fuck. And so she'll have like a scarf. She's got fucking wool socks. 
don't have wool socks, but I'm prepared. I'm like a freaking scout over here. Uh huh. But so, yeah, her fucking body temperature anyway is elevated. I swear to God, she's a heater. So there's that. I am. You are. It's mainly in her ass. I really do have the hottest ass on the planet. And I don't mean like, ooh, sexy. I mean, no, I mean like actual temper. I have perma swamp ass because I have the hottest ass known to man. Well, and also known to your man, he thinks you do have the hottest ass. He has some sort of bladders on. He I don't is, know. Someone shallow howled his ass. They did because I don't <laughs> know what his eyeballs see. I don't either. But Why he's like, he baby, I have back. Okay, the next one is ambient story and or sinister sightings, question mark, question mark. Hey, ladies, I absolutely love y'all and y'all's podcast. I recently sent in a couple of stories, but in the car the other day, I was listening to a sinister sighting episode, and it was about an ambient story. I was laughing so hard, I almost slammed into the car in front of me. Oops. And my eight-year-old daughter, who also listens with me, usually, loves all things creepy. I love it, but she needed to know what was so funny. So I told her about her Pawpaw's Ambien story. If you decide to share my story, you can use any names in here. I got approval from my parents. So here it goes. When I was in sixth grade, my dad got a call one day. Him and his mom had a fallen out years previously, but we found out that she had cancer. It was terminal. We all got in touch and quickly got super close again. I broke my ankle around that time, and it was actually a really bad break. Several surgeries, cast from my toes to my butt, no weight bearing for over a year, learned to walk again, bad. And I was an extra large pizza child, so it was rough. My dad worked in construction, and it was winter, so he was off work and took care of me and my grandma all day and all night. Looking back, I have no clue how he did it and stayed sane because we are both pretty sassy ladies and hard to deal with. Are y'all Leos? <laughs> because, uh... Very fucking hard to deal with. Trust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we would get up in the morning, my mom would leave for work, and I would go to school, or my dad would let me skip, and he would go to my grandma's house. Then, pick me up, back to my grandma's, and we would always be there late. My dad was physically, mentally, emotionally, and every form of the word exhausted. He wasn't sleeping at all. My mom finally made him go to the doctor, which was a quack, but that's another story, or six. So needless to say, they prescribed him Ambien. Let me also add that my dad is by far a drinker. Alcoholic, really. You cannot drink while taking Ambien. I repeat, do not drink on Ambien. My mom told him not to, but of course, he didn't listen. He took his Ambien with the Bud Light and sat at the kitchen table. My mom and I went to sleep. It was around 9.30 p.m. My mom woke up to the back door opening, which was never locked, and sat straight up, confused. She thought it was my uncle, who lived out of town, but often worked close to us, so he would sometimes stay at our house. She called out my uncle's name, and my dad answered. She was even more confused. When did you wake up? You're supposed to be knocked on your ass. That's what Ambien does, she says. She put him back to bed and went back to sleep. The second time, she was woken up by her phone ringing. 
It was a call from the local bar, which was my dad's usual hangout. The bartender, who was friends with my parents, says, you're going to have to come get Bobby. He's trashed and should definitely not drive home. I don't know that I should really announce this, and I know this sounds terrible, but we live in a small town, and everybody knew everybody, including the cops, and the bar was less than three blocks away, so normally my dad would just drive himself home. It was pretty normal. Since my mom was woken up by this call, and since she'd already put my dad to bed twice, understandably, she was extremely confused. But she got up and went to get him. He had tried to park his truck no less than 12 times in a very specific spot, which was right where a very large streetlight pole was. The parking lot was a huge gravel parking lot, no lines for parking spots, probably only four other cars in the whole thing. Why he picked that one specific spot, we will never know. But he ran into the pole over and over and over. What the fuck? I should also add that while not on Ambien, my dad still to this day has always gotten up in the middle of the night to snack. We call it sleep eating. He never remembers it the next day and will deny ever doing it and always looks genuinely confused when you blame him. But he's been doing it for years and no one would willingly or knowingly fuck up my mom's freshly cleaned kitchen. Trust me. So a mom goes and retrieves her drunk, fucked up on Ambien husband who had no idea what was going on and went back home. She put him in bed again, locked all the doors, hid the keys to his truck and waited for him to fall asleep again. And then she went to sleep again too. She woke up yet again to another phone call. My dad had walked back to the fucking bar. Oh my God. What in the actual fuck? My mom was so pissed. She drove up there, I'm assuming caused a huge scene, and dragged his ass back home. She put him in bed and this time stayed up until she was sure he wouldn't get up again. He stayed asleep. Or so she thought. Oh my god! And this is where the story escalated. My dad is very, very weird about anything spooky or paranormal. He had an experience when my mom's brother, also his best friend, had died by suicide and they were cleaning out his house. It was just my uncle, but weird story that I'll save for another time, especially since this is already forever long. I'm sorry. So the next day, we all wake up and my mom's telling my dad about his ambient adventures. He doesn't believe a word of it, but he's acting different, just off. Sometime after my mom went to sleep, the last time after rescuing my dad several times, my dad woke up. He said he heard someone talking, so he sat up on the edge of the bed. He looked up, and clear as day, he saw his mom. I don't know everything that she said, but I do know at the end she said, Take care of your sister. She needs you, Junior. My dad was extremely emotional the next day, and anytime we talk about the ambient story, he laughs through the entire thing until someone brings up that part. He always starts crying. My dad is not a person who cries. Seeing his mom shook him to his core. So far, he hasn't seen his mom since, but I have. He also has never taken Ambie again. Thank the Lord. My mom will never let him forget that. But one positive note is that him and his sister are unbelievably close ever since then. 
I have, sorry, I had a lot of what I would guess we could call sinister sightings, but I'll save that for another time as well. Sorry again for how long this is. Y'all always ask for ambient stories and I wanted to share mine. Please never stop doing this podcast. Y'all keep me sane and keep my spooky loving daughter creepy. Creep it real, Amanda. Aww. I love to hear that y'all, y'all's kids love spooky too. Yes. That was so weird. I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to know when people are on ambient if they if it's just like a hallucination or they really do see them. Yeah. But for him to still get so emotional, does mm-hmm. it really matter? Like it impacted him, so it didn't right. really matter. Right. It's so hard when you see your parents cry too. Mm-hmm. Well, hell, after those adventures that he had, he was worn down. Right. So his wit, like. Your fucking mama was worn down too. (laughs) Do you know how pissed I would be if I had to wake, if I had to stay up that much to chase your ass down? (laughs) No. That's why I'm single, because I would be like, well. No, you wouldn't. You know, if if that was me. You would be chasing my ass all over this damn city, doing whatever you had to do to make sure I was safe. Don't be giving me that look. I know y'all can't see her, but she giving me a look. You know you would, and I'd do the same for you. I'd be pissed, and I'd be bitching at you the whole time, but I'd do it. Just like we've sat up in the ER with each other in the middle of the fucking night, both of us. One is a patient, and the other one is not. Both of us. I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm really glad that what, like, all of that happened, but at least him and his sister did get close and stay close. And, you know, so something really positive happened out of his whole episode. Also, I'm not a sleep eater, but I am a wake up in the middle of the night and I just want a snack. So I'll go and get a snack. Really? Yeah. I'm not so much now, but when my mom was alive... And I lived with them, I definitely would. Because I would use the bathroom, and you had to go through the kitchen to get to the bathroom. And they had all the good, good snacks. They did. And so, hell, I wouldn't even really be hungry, but I'd be like, ooh, there's like some Little Debbie caramel bar. Who knew they had that? Oh, that was so good. So good. And they always had clear cookie bowls. Like, well, I'll get one of these. And then on the way back from the bathroom, ooh, a note milk cream pie? (laughs) Don't mind if I do. Like, I sure will. You know, like, okay, all the time. So, yep. And also, my cousin in Mobile, (laughs) when we were younger, I would stay with her. And at night, like when, you know, we would go to bed, she would say, are you hungry? And she said, I got my midnight snack stash. And she would pull out some candy, like Little Debbie's. And, oh, she had the Star Crunch. Uh, Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Used to love those. But uh, she had those. And I was like, oh, girl, okay. But she said that she always had them because if she got in trouble and, like, got sent to her room, like, without eating dinner, be like, joke's on y'all, because I got some food. Damn. Like, that's fucking genius. I mean, it kind of is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of is. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, the next one. Hello, ladies. 
I just want to thank you for all you guys do. I've been going through a breakup after two and a half years together and living together. This podcast has helped me out and kept me busy when I'm packing my shit up to move. Also, just a warning, this is a longish email. Anyways, on to a more sinister note. The story I'm going to tell you guys takes place back in 2015 when I was 19 or so. I was still living at my family's home and I shared a room with my brother. Side note, we were both in the middle of moving out together with our older sister and that's why we were in the same room, trying to save money. Every California person knows how hard it is to save money when even a garage is well over 1K a month for rent. And also, yes, it was super uncomfortable having my brother share a room with me for a bed. Anyways, back to the story. So at this time, we were both in college classes together, and our grandfather had taken a turn for the worst, and he was on his deathbed at a hospital. We took some time to be there, and after a week of suffering, my grandfather passed away. Obviously, my brother and I took time away from class to be there with family. When he passed away, we drove immediately from school to his hospital room. When my whole family was there, in a moment of silence, as we all said our final goodbyes, we heard a knock at the door. My cousin had opened the door and the hallway was empty. Needless to say, I kind of fear farted. I feel like it was him saying goodbye or maybe us just letting him out. Who knows? Later that evening, my brother and I walked down the hospital hallways, kind of quiet and just thinking to ourselves, but I kept hearing a whistle, and I turned around to my brother, and he was also looking back at me, scared. We looked around to see maybe if it was a patient or an employee walking, and we just hadn't seen them. But keep in mind, we were in the part of the hospital where it's only offices for radiation and so on, so no patients were on this floor. I'm not sure why I got this overwhelming feeling I was being followed and I started walking faster and leaving my brother to fend for himself. Now listen, I'm 5'1 and my thunder thighs were rubbing since my legs are like chodes, so he had a better chance of living, so I needed that head start. (laughs) (laughs) That might be Donna's favorite sentence ever written in this whole podcast. I swear to God, I love you. He caught up to me, and we still kind of heard a faint whistling. TBH, I'm not sure if I was just freaked out because I had seen my grandfather dead or if there really was a spirit enjoying me suffer, watching me heavy breathing because I have the leg power of a corgi dog. is we got the fuck out of there and on the drive home it was silent if we didn't speak about it maybe we could forget it later that night when we were all tucked into bed it had to be around three-ish and my fat ass was eating ice cream watching reruns of mad tv and my brother was on his bed cutting his toenails honestly that grossed me out because i was so afraid he would let one fling onto the floor and i would step on it or something (laughs) Girl, I thought you were going to say... Go in your ice cream. Go in the ice cream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how nasty we are. 
<laughs> we always take it that step too far. I mean, yeah. All of a sudden, we hear running down the hall and then down the stairs. That snapped me out of my disgusted scenario of stepping on his toenail, and we were both like, what the fuck was that? Then we heard a big bang, and then the baby gate at the bottom of the stairs slamming shut. We argued about who would go check it out, and finally, since we both agreed to be bad bitches, we both went. Keep in mind, since we were both afraid, we forgot the house had an alarm system, but we checked everyone's doors, and they were either locked or sound asleep. Finally, we started walking down the stairs, and me with my stupid Scooby-Doo nightlight started flashing it down the stairs. Look, real bitches admit when we get scared of the dark. I don't care how old I am, I will run down the hall, turning all the lights off, and jump into bed. Me too. Carrie's hallway has two lights, like two light switches. I turn it on on one end, and then I turn it off on the other. It... I do not like her hallway. Sam, I am. I do not like it. Ugh. When we got to the bottom of the stairs, the alarm went off and we both definitely shit ourselves and everyone woke up. To this day, my family thinks my brother and I are just dumb and dumber for everything that happened that day. I don't know. I feel like either something followed us or it was my grandfather playing a nasty joke on us. Who knows? But anyway, sorry for any misspelled words, run-on sentences, and any misplaced punctuation. Thank you for keeping me sane during this hard time in my life with this breakup mess and his cheating ass. I have many more stories like the killer from La Habra. I hope I said that right. Anyways, creep it real and don't get scared. I love you guys. And that was from the website, so they didn't put their name Like, they didn't sign it, so I don't want to say their name. But, oh, my God, I love that story. (sighs) Well, first of all, fuck a cheater. Oh, for sure. For sure. Fuck a cheater. A game, like a cheater at a game, a relationship, anything. Ugh. But, like, I totally just picture you and your brother, like, cartoon style, like, like, walking, holding, like clubs of some sort like trying to figure out I I don't know like I just am totally picturing like a cartoon yeah I don't know I feel like the knock was your grandfather but I don't feel like at your house that was your grandfather I don't know yeah maybe the whistling and that night was something from the hospital because you were opened like you were open because of what you just experienced and stuff? I don't know. I always, I mean, I kind of jokingly said this, but I was also kind of half serious that I would always say that I thought something hitched a ride on my shoulder on the way home when I came home from work. Because I would see stuff out of the corner of my eye all the time, you know, stuff like that. She worked at an oncology center. Yeah. But uh, we need way more stories. And tell me if I said that. La Habra, right? It's probably wrong, but uh, correct me. Okay, the next one is a wee slice of paranormal and an unreal true crime. All right, Donna and Carrie, my name is Claire, and I'm from Belfast, Northern Ireland. I found your podcast from listening to TCO, and after the Robert the Doll story and the banter between you two, I was hooked. 
My wife even admitted she downloaded it after hearing me go on and on about this new podcast. Like I said in the Facebook group, she is the spooky to my true crime. I hate anything scary or horror, and she loves it. I love true crime, and she is like, meh. So they're us. Yeah, definitely. Except for you really do love the true crime stuff, yeah. but I'm meh about the paranormal stuff. Yeah. I have a few stories, but due to having fibro fog, I can't remember them right now. But I will tell you the two I do remember because when you hear them, you will understand how I couldn't forget them. My paranormal story. When I was younger, I stayed with my friend Jimmy, not his real name. My mom and his mom were friends, so I stayed there all the time. Okay, picture this. A small two-bedroom house, his mom and dad's room. Also, they kept the family spider, lizard, and other pets in there. And then my friend's room. Bit of backstory, the avenue we both lived on was bombed in the war, the Belfast Blitz. So these houses have some history. One night, Jimmy asks, do I want to come up and stay for the weekend? I'm like, yeah, okay. I really liked going up there because his parents were not as strict as mine, so I got away with loads. The only thing I hated about going up there was when I went to bed at night, we got to watch a video, but all he had was horror films. I mean, every horror film you can think of. And Parent Trap. So, Parent Trap, it was every time I stayed, and that was a lot. While I was in my friend's house, he was telling me he had seen a ghost, and I was like, yeah, right. No, you haven't. He told me he had seen a man and a boy standing at the end of his bed, and when he realized what they were... He got up to run downstairs and tell his mom what he had seen. When he got to the top of the stairs, there was a hand trying to stop him going down. His mom told him to try and forget about it, and it will be all right in the morning. Must be a Belfast thing, because my mom says it all the time. After hearing this story, there was no way I was staying there tonight. So I made an excuse to nope the fuck out of there, I think I even asked my brother, could I sleep at the bottom of his bed that night? And we didn't even like each other. Now for my true crime story. A few years ago now, I'm a bit shaky on the details because since it happened, I haven't wanted to look into the nitty gritty details because I already have images in my head that I can't shake. I had a friend called Matt and he was just a normal guy. I want to tell you about Matt. I used to go around and have a cuppa with him, then practice guitar because we had another friend who played, and he was teaching both of us a few tunes. Matt had to get a left-handed one because trying to play a right-handed one was too awkward. These sound like ramblings, but there is a point for it. Matt was set in his ways, like if you knock on the door after 8 p.m., you wouldn't get in because he had his bath and was settled in for the night. Here is where it gets hard to write. I had came up to my mom's because it was Christmas Eve. I had been staying with my girlfriend in her house at the time. My mom is a community worker, so if anything happens in the community, she is normally one of the first people to know. We are all sitting in the living room, me, dad, mom, brother, his girlfriend, and her son. And my mom gets a call, and it's my other brother. She comes off the phone and tells me not to overreact, but Matt has been murdered. His street is a few up from my house, so I run up 
and see my older brother standing there trying to find out what happened. Next thing I remember is my girlfriend putting me in the car and taking me down to her house. A few days later, I get a call from my mom to tell me to get up to the house because the police are here looking for me. When I get up to my mom's, the police had went to speak to other people, so I waited until they called back. When they came back, they asked me a few questions about Matt and what type of person he was and when did I last see him. I answered all of their questions to the best of my knowledge. They told me I would have to come in to get my fingerprints took to eliminate me from the prints in the house as I had been there so many times. A week later, I went to the police station and sat in a room, just waiting to get the prints done and get out. It was a good while later, and three guys had been arrested for the murder and brought to trial. Due to work, I missed the trial. They killed him with his guitars and basically used the stairs to help. Don't want to go into loads of detail. I did make it to the sentencing, and they got 17 years each, but one of the guys admitted he didn't do anything, but the other guys threatened him to come along. I think he's out on suspended sentence. Just so you know, the two guys who got the 17 years, they had been to a snooker hall hours before, tried to gorge someone's eyes out. Sorry, Donna. Hope you liked my stories. Sorry if they're too long, but I needed to add info for it to make sense. Creep it real and hard. Love, Claire. Gouge someone's eyes out? Is that like a Northern Ireland thing that they only got 17 years? Like, is that normal? Or is that like a pretty shitty sentence, like it sounds like? Yeah, I don't know. Because I know a lot of times when I've covered stories from other countries, they'll get shorter sentences like that for fucking gruesome murders and it's like Mm -hmm. it's just how the laws are set up so that's why i'm like is that normal or is that no they got really shitty sentences yeah because that happens here sometimes too i mean people should be getting life in prison and they'll get 15 years and then someone on a pot charge will get 20 yeah wow that sounds so brutal oh i can't even this sounds like I'm making fun of that story, but it's not. But all I can think about is... They killed him with they love. Yes! Mm-hmm. Like, that's all I can think about. Like, with his guitars. Because they did. They killed him with what he loved. Yes. Oh, gosh. Also, Claire, I would have noped the fuck out, too. And I would have uh, tried to sleep with anyone just like you, and even if I didn't like them, like you said, and me and my brother didn't even like each other at that time, because, uh, yeah, I would have been scared. I mean, just so casual. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I have a ghost. Um, Excuse me. I'm sorry, sir. What's that you say? <laughs> right? Uh, Don't make me go up in my Patrick Hines voice. <laughs> right? Okay, the next one. Hi, girls. I have just recently discovered your podcast, and the two of you are making every day of work bearable. Please forgive any grammar or spelling errors. Picture it. A small town in Indiana of only about 700 or 800 people in 1995. My mom and her boyfriend have decided to move us to a new town and school. Here I am, the oldest of four siblings at the age of 15 and not at all happy about having to leave my friends behind. 
We arrived to the new house, and I am instantly annoyed, as any teenager would be, to be living in a town with not even a stoplight and only a bar, post office, and library. I decide I may as well go inside and see what my mom has gotten us into. I enter the house, and I'm instantly feeling a heavy feeling and spout off to my mom that she's moved us into a damn haunted house. My mom rolls her eyes as she's always told me and my three siblings that ghosts aren't real. Sure, Mom. Well, I can honestly say that if she didn't believe me that day, she soon would. It was only a matter of weeks before odd things started to happen. Hearing hushed conversations from people in other rooms that were empty. Hearing someone walk up and down the stairs only to discover nobody there. Our cat would literally climb our walls with wallpaper if we could even get her to come inside the house. We heard children playing and laughing in the basement in the middle of the night, only to realize my sisters were asleep in their beds. One evening while I was home alone with no TV or radio on because I was reading, I heard from the kitchen a taunting woman's voice ask me, Are you scared? My heart dropped and I was scared to death as I knew I was the only one home. You would think I would have instantly ran to my room, but oh no, for some unknown reason, I felt led to walk into the kitchen, but there was no one there. We moved not too long after, though my mom assured us it had nothing to do with the ghost. Likely story. Mm Mm-hmm. Flash forward to 2003, my husband, the boy I met while living in the haunted house, bought our first home. This time, I knew that there was no way in hell I was going to live with the ghost, especially with my husband working nights. So after making multiple visits to view the house and I felt safe that it was ghost-free, we moved in. We lived a peaceful few years making great memories till our firstborn started to talk to what we assumed was his imaginary friend he called Bubby. I never felt uneasy or afraid, but felt like there was a presence that had never been there before. Remotes would be in different locations after leaving the room and returning. Little things always being out of place. But I just put it off to being drained from being a mom with very little sleep. One day, while visiting my in-laws, our son looks at a picture in their living room and proudly exclaims that his friend Bubby is in it. It was a picture of my husband's uncle that had passed away in 2000 in a car accident. We felt weird learning this, but decided that at least it wasn't a scary ghost and proceeded with life. One afternoon, as my husband and I were watching a movie with our son, he whispered and pointed to a corner of the living room and told us that Bubby was leaving and waved to him goodbye. He must have walked out the door for good that day, knowing that our son was well taken care of because we never heard about my husband's uncle from our son again and no longer felt his presence in our home after that day. I'm sorry this was so long, but I'm so glad I get to share my experiences with those who won't think I'm completely crazy. Love you girls and look forward to hearing many more hours of your laughter, Tara. Wow. One, like Carrie said, Sure, Mom, it's not haunted. Like, sure, Mom, we're not moving because a ghost has been terrorizing us. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I wonder, did Bubby come because he was protecting your son and whatever it was was no longer there? It was a different house. I know, but still, did it follow them? But they didn't have any experiences. Well, that, that they know of? <laughs> Could be, I guess. 
You don't know. Okay. You're right. You're right. She might have been in Wedded Bliss. Right. Rose-colored glasses. Mm-hmm. You're right. When I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. There's a possibility. Okay. The next one is called Sinister Sightings True Crime. Hello, ladies. I'm writing this email in awe of how much of an idiot I am. I've thought and thought about a mini story I could tell, and I felt I couldn't find a really good one. I sent an email before, which was a ghost story, but this one is the real kicker. When I was a freshman in high school, my first ever boyfriend murdered his brother. I hate to say it so bluntly like that, but that's what happened. At the time, we hadn't spoken in almost a year, but I was still a little heartbroken over him. Teen heartbroken, of course, because I wasn't old enough to love love yet. One morning, I get to school and everyone is offering condolences to the class, reaching out to those who were affected, the basic step of helping grieving children, which I knew well as my friend had died by suicide the year earlier. I was utterly confused and figured it was someone I didn't know. That is until my close friend sat down next to me in one of those shitty classroom chairs and asked if I was all right. To preface this, I was never close with his brother, just with my ex-boyfriend. She let me know that the brother C had passed and that my ex-boyfriend T was the one who caused the death. I immediately got up out of my seat and bawled all the way to the bathroom. My very best friend, who I'm still friends with over a decade later in tow. I could not believe what I had heard. After I blew my nose, I grabbed my backpack and began to trek home with the school day not even halfway over. I guess they stop caring when children are grieving whether they ditch school or not. I'll shorten this down to get to the meat of the story. I ended up finding out this has not been confirmed by news or anything of that sort, but by close friends and family. That my ex-boyfriend had been using hard drugs and that the chemical reaction in his brain onset his schizophrenia or something like this as he was not schizophrenic until he had been using for a while. His symptoms lasted for quite some time untreated and ended in him killing his brother during an argument with a gun he had. The serial number was filed off. After he committed the act, which happened in front of his mother, he hid the gun under a couch pillow and sat down, waiting for the police to arrive. He is now in a mental hospital for the criminally insane as he was deemed unfit for trial a few months after he was arrested due to his illness. He did not remember hurting his brother at all and was confused when his brother didn't come visit him. I feel so bad as he was one of the sweetest boys I ever knew. Held the door open and all those sweet things teenage girls swoon over. I know he has good in his heart and I wish for him and his family's healing every day. I've since healed from the incident but still think of him sometimes. It's so far in my past now that I have disconnected myself from it. I can't believe I listened to all these true crime podcasts and forgot I witnessed true crime myself. I'd like to remain anonymous, so I won't sign my name, but I'll leave some links for you ladies to look into. I'd prefer if the actual information and names didn't get shared just in case someone I know hears this. Thank you guys for all you do, and I'm sorry for the length of this email. Stay creepy, my sweet friends. I wish you all the best. 
Wow, in front of his mom. And then it's just so sad. Like, you can tell he wasn't really there when he just put the gun underneath the pillow and sat there. See, to me, that's not as much like, I feel like, like just waiting on the police to get there. Like, that's not as uncommon as him being so disconnected from it that he was wondering where his brother was and why he hadn't come to see him. Yeah, now that's... That is heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking. That's and, heartbreaking. And that's so uncommon because majority of people with mental illnesses are harmful to themselves, not others. Mm-hmm. And so it's pretty rare that he killed his brother. Again, because, you know, when someone hurts someone because of a hallucination or delusion or whatever, it tends to be themselves, but I know they were like in the midst of an argument or or whatever, which is different. But also, how did he have a gun that the serial numbers were filed off? Yeah, I know. So that's why I was like, wait, what? But he was doing heavy drugs before, so he true. probably had it from that. True, you know? true, true, true. Wow. It's just sad. His mom lost both her sons, really, you know? Gosh. Thank you for that story, though. I'm sorry you had to go through that. Yeah. Okay, last one. My Haunted House Sinister Sighting, a.k.a. My Whole Life. Hi, Carrie and Donna. My name is Lily, and I'm from Central Florida. I want to start by saying how in love I am with your podcast. I've been listening for close to a year now, and I feel like you guys are my two sweet southern aunts that I talk shit with. Anyway, I wanted to share a story with y'all about my childhood home and the strange phenomena Phenomena. that happens and has been happening there my whole life. I'll try to keep it as short as possible. Writer's note, it is not short at all. I'm so sorry. And if you could use my first name only, that would be great. I grew up in a small house in Central Florida. It was my parents' first house together. Small, wooden, yellow, and built in the 1920s or 30s. It's in the part of Florida that was occupied by natives while most of Florida was still underwater, post-Ice Age, and is less than a smile from Spook Hill, a paranormal landmark urban legend you guys should look into. Noted. I think all of these factors contributed to the crazy stuff that happened to me there. I guess I'll start from the beginning. As children, my younger brother and I would hear voices calling our names all of the time. They would sometimes sound like our mom calling us from a distance or someone whispering quickly into our ears. We would always ask our parents if they called our names and they would always say no. It happened when I was as young as three or four, so I had no concept as to what ghosts were except for the floating sheets in Scooby-Doo. I quickly just got used to it and thought it was something that happened to everyone. As I got older, things started to get more and more strange. Our dogs would frequently bark at things that weren't there, and it would freak all of us out. These dogs later died under mysterious circumstances, but I'm not sure if I can blame the ghosts for that. Our doors would open and close by themselves, and the house would creak in ways that sounded like heavy footsteps through the halls. But it was always attributed to how old the house was. I'm not sure if my parents truly did not believe anything was going on, or if they just kept quiet to make sure we weren't scared but they still don't like to talk about it to this day. Then the activity got even weirder. Once I heard a man humming in my room. It was distinctly a man's voice, and it sounded like it was coming from near 
or outside my window, and he was humming a little song I couldn't make out. As a curious kid who was all about facts, I made sure it wasn't coming from my TV, which was playing Hannah Montana, my Hello Kitty radio, or an actual person outside my window. I checked all the TVs in the house and nothing was the source of this sound. Scared shitless, I asked my dad if he would come into my room to try to hear it. And of course, it stopped. As soon as he left, it started up again. It freaked me out so much that I just moved to the living room and pretended that it never happened. Another time, I was sitting in my room with my door open, giving me a view of my kitchen counter. We had eaten ice cream that night and the carton and scooper were left on the counter. As I was watching TV, again, Hannah Montana, I was a fan, I saw movement out of the corner of my eye. I turned my head to see that ice cream scoop levitating in the air, about a foot over the counter. I gasped and it swiftly fell to the floor. Now, I know y'all are going to say, I would have hightailed my ass out of there. And honestly, I don't know why I didn't. I was so in shock and frozen in fear that I slowly just turned my head back to my show. It took me a few days to completely process what happened. A few days after this, I went to take a shower. The plug was in the bathtub drain for some reason, which is weird looking back on it because even if someone had taken a bath, they would take the plug out when they were done. Anyways, when I leaned over to pull it out, my shower turned on by itself. When I sat back up, it had already stopped. At first, I thought I was losing my mind, but I felt that my body was wet and I saw water on me, meaning I had definitely not imagined it. This interaction scared me the most because I realized that if it was a ghost, it had seen me naked and, ew, it might be a perv. At this point, I had kept all of this to myself. I knew my parents probably wouldn't believe me and would think I was crazy, and I did not want to scare my brother because he was still really young. What I didn't know and found out later was that my brother was experiencing many of the same things. He told me that around this time, he would frequently get up in the middle of the night to go pee. As he walked down our dark hallway to go to the bathroom, he would always trip over something that was about knee high. He describes it as feeling the size of a small dog or maybe a kid on its hands and knees. When he would turn on the light, nothing would ever be there. It could have been one of our dogs, but it would never yelp or anything, and it would not be like one of our dogs to silently run away. He also experienced hearing the sound of footsteps and doors opening at night with no one awake, as well as the feeling of always being watched. This continued on and off for a few years until something happened. My parents had been looking for a new house for a long time because our house was old as fuck. Everything was breaking or bending. They finally decided that it was the smartest option for us to knock down our house and build a new one in the same lot. I was a sophomore in high school at this point, and my brother was in middle school, and we both had acknowledged that our house was definitely haunted. We were curious, what would this do to the spirits? Would they be pissed? Would they cross over to the other side? Would they finally leave us alone? For a while, we thought the last option was true. We moved in and did not experience anything strange. No weird feelings, no bumps in the night. That is, until recently. I had been in college for two semesters living in a dorm when the scariest horror of all came, COVID-19, or as we college kids called it, Corona Break. 
I had come home for spring break and found out that I would be staying there for the next five months. Talk about a 19-year-old's worst nightmare. During my time at home, I started to experience some of the old feelings again. I experienced the weird sounds, suspicious feelings, and something new that I call my closet buddy. My parents blame it on the wiring in our house, but the light in my closet always flickers after it's been on for a few minutes. It definitely isn't the bulbs because it flickers a little bit and then it'll be just as bright for a good amount of time. This has happened since we moved in, but after being home for a few months, it's really started to bug me. One day, I was putting laundry away, and the light started aggressively flickering out of the corner of my eye. When I would look directly at it, it would stop. Yeah, not this again. After a few rounds of this, I finally said, Ha ha, funny, you can stop now. The light stopped flickering instantly and didn't do it for the rest of my laundry session. Spooked, I turned it off. Now, whenever it starts doing it, I just tell it to stop, and it does. I did this in front of my boyfriend, and it scared the crap out of him. Then, things got a lot scarier than this fun little trick. Late at night, I started to see what I describe as an apparition. It looks like the shadow of a man, but as tall as my ceiling and extremely dark. It hangs out in the corner of my living room next to my parents' bedroom door and right in front of the clock that conveniently never seemed to work ever since we hung it there. It never moved but just stood there like it was waiting for me to do something. I always saw it and ran back to my room praying. I never confronted it or talked about it with anyone until one night it appeared in the corner of my bedroom. It was right in front of my window and just stood there for what seemed like forever. It seemed to suck in all the light in the room. I prayed over and over again until it finally left. The next day, I saged my bedroom. I then tried to casually ask my brother if he had seen anything weird around the house, and he looked at me with fear in his eyes and said, Why, what have you seen? As it turns out, he had been seeing the same figure next to the clock, describing him to a T. I didn't tell him about what happened in my room the night before, and he'll probably find out from listening to this, oops, I have not seen the dark figure since cleansing my room, which I could not be happier about. My last interaction before moving back to college occurred when I was packing up my clothes. These ghosts love laundry. Well, don't I have a stack? (laughs) Just kidding, don't come over here. (laughs) I was facing my bed when I heard what clearly sounded like a little kid running behind me, out of my doorway and into the hall. The footsteps were quick and heavy, like when a toddler runs but it's still being really clumsy. I turned around quickly and, of course, nothing was there. I quickly went into my brother's room to confirm and he said that he had been hearing similar sounds recently. Based on all of these occurrences and just the general vibes in the house, my brother and I have narrowed down the spirits to three different entities. First is a very young girl, which explains the little runs, playfully tripping my brother, and the desire for ice cream. Next is an old man, based on the humming and the shower fiasco, creeper, and possibly my closet light. The third is that weird dark figure, and I'm way too scared to investigate that one. There's not a whole lot of documentation about my house and its history on the internet, but I want to eventually look into the town's records for answers. 
My brother and I have figured out that we are way more sensitive to spirits, energy, and vibes than most people and have a bucket load of more weird paranormal experiences to back it up. I am glad to now be in my very new and ghost-free apartment where I can be naked without worrying about a little kid, a creepy old man, and a demon. Sorry for the long story, but I felt like everything was too good to keep out. Love you, ladies. Stay safe and don't get scared. Lily. Well, hopefully that's not a demon. Hopefully it's just a, I don't know, black figure. Yeah, hopefully it's like a shadow. Yeah. Shadow man. Shadow person. (laughs) They're not necessarily bad, right? Not necessarily. I hope not. Jesus. Well, I'm glad you're out of there now. I mean, meanwhile, your parents are still there. And I hate a damn clock that doesn't work. (laughs) That's my takeaway from the story. Oh, my gosh. My sister has been down helping me with my dad for uh, two weeks. And you know what I heard every damn day? Your house needs a clock. Your house needs a clock. Your house needs a clock. Right there is where your house needs a clock. Like, I don't know. I do good without a clock. I have my phone with me all the time. Mm, No, I need clocks. I don't know. Well, and where she has she pointed, she said that's exactly where a clock needs to be. And where she said it, it says there's a little sign, and it says you're exactly where you need to be. And I said, no, it says you're exactly where you need to be. She was like, you smart ass, and I'm like, I'm just saying, just saying. She was like, well, I would be able to tell you exactly what time it was if there was a clock there. <laughs> but no, I'd be on time for things, and that's not fun. Right, for anyone. (laughs) But Lily, thank you so much for your story. And uh, send us the bucket load more of your stories. Yeah, y'all know these stories were amazing. Y'all heard them. Thank y'all all all for sending them in. Keep them coming at aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.